I don't really remember like the moment I found out my dad was going to be a priest, but um, I mean, it's had a profound experience on my life in terms of the fact that my dad being a priest has led to like so many graces and blessings mm-hmm. and just the the opportunity for me since my dad is a priest to just like be around church more than usual um it's like bring your kid to work day <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly Back for week two, what you gonna do? You can't stop me, listen to poppy, big up selector, I run the party, go ahead, you can bring your whole posse, now that we got the plan squared away, let me check on how we're living today, whoa, how the world get like this, do I give up or they try to persist, no. What's up you guys, welcome to the podcast, in this episode we interview my good friend Nikolai, uh, he talks about his experience growing up with his father who uh, felt called to join the priesthood. Um, so it's a really, really awesome story. You're going to get a lot out of that. And then we also talk about what it's like for Nikolai to be to be this white kid from the suburbs of Chicago uh, pursuing a rap career. And if you know of this artist named Ryan Leslie, Ryan Leslie is a super, I mean, his music's really dope. I really enjoyed his music. Nikolai opened for for Ryan Leslie when, he was a, when Nikolai was a rapper. So um, Nikolai's rapper name is Young PK, Y-U-N-G-P-K. You can follow him on Instagram at Young PK Music. He's also on YouTube. He's got some pretty good stuff. And to be honest, you guys, I'm pretty weird. I'm pretty like hesitant when it comes to Catholic artists and like Catholic musicians and just Catholics in general, just in my opinion, aren't that good for some reason. I don't know why. I don't know why that is. But um, I mean, don't get me wrong. There are some that are good. And I think Nikolai is one of those people. Um, He's got some good flow, um, good good instincts. Um, Yeah, his stuff's pretty good, you guys. So check him out. And uh, I also share about my experience of um, pursuing my dreams of becoming an actor and closing the door on that. And um, me and Nikolai kind of shed some light on the truth of um, following your dreams and deciding that that's, that's not your calling anymore. Um, we talk about seasons in that realm. So if you're someone who's deciding to pursue a life of artistry or, um, if you're either a performer, artist or whatever, yeah, I think you're going to get a lot out of this as well. Or if you're just really curious about what it's like to be an artist and trying to pursue, um, a relationship with God at the same time. So, yeah, that's it, you guys. Hope you guys enjoy. Why don't we just start from the beginning, man? Tell us a little bit about you. My name is Nikolai Meadow. I uh, am uh, the new uh, marketing and communications coordinator for Net Ministries. Um, so, just moved here. In July, from the suburbs of Chicago, Joliet Plainfield area. Uh, there, I was the director of new media. I had to remember what my title was. <laughs> it's been so long and so short ago. Uh, director of new media uh, for the parish I went to, St. Mary Immaculate Parish in Plainfield, Illinois. And the unique thing about uh, that great place is that it is the fifth largest Catholic church in the United States. So it has 8,100 registered families, which is, yeah, 36,000 registered parishioners. So, and I was the one marketing guy on staff, so. How many Sunday Masses do you guys have? Nine in three languages. Which languages? 
uh, English, Klingon. No, uh, sorry. Uh, English, Spanish, and Polish. English, Spanish, and Polish. Yep. How many English? Six English. Yep. Wow. Yeah, two Spanish and one Polish. I don't know. There's like a huge Polish community out there. So Chicago itself used to be the second most Polish populated city outside of Krakow, the capital of Poland. Um, wow. Yeah. So a very large Polish community with the, I think with the economy and stuff like that, that's lessened over the years. I think yeah. a lot of Polish immigrants went back to Poland, but um, yeah, so I don't think Chicago's that anymore, but it used to be. Are there any good, I'm guessing there's good Polish restaurants there? Yeah, in Chicago, there's some in the suburbs for sure. Um, but even like, along with hot dog, like they say like Polish sausage and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of a big thing. So, okay. Did you grow up going to that church? Yeah, so I started there uh, in fifth grade. Were you involved at all, like youth ministry when you were growing up, when you were when you were a youth when I was a youth, I was involved in youth ministry. Um, Why? Uh, because I got invited. Okay. Um, so when I graduated high school, um, like I did confirmation and stuff in junior high and stuff like that. And even going into school, obviously we had religion class. But really, for me, um, like the most formative part of like my high school career was kind of like being involved in uh, life teen. We had life teen at our okay. parish and uh, being involved with that. And so, um, yeah, I got invited by the youth minister who I knew uh, to the high school summer retreat, life teen summer retreat, uh, and went there as an incoming freshman. And um, yeah, just had a really really good time a really powerful time just kind of like uh experiencing jesus um but also like there was an adoration there um so but even just like the spiritual sense of being there and um the retreat was a senior-led retreat so every year the seniors would kind of plan it out for the year and then put it on um and even commented like on the fact that i had opportunity I had the opportunity before that to like travel to really cool places in Europe and stuff like that with my family. But like being there and experiencing Christ in that community mm. was like one of the most profound experiences I had ever had. Mm. Um, I, I said that to the leaders and um, so, yeah. And then just being able to, uh, have friendships that I still have today um, and then like relationships uh, dating and otherwise with people in that community um, so yeah it was just a really great place and then ultimately led me uh, to be able to come back and help out and assist with youth ministry when I got older so that's awesome I mean I'm guessing it was an easy uh, I don't know like an easier yes to work for the parish that impacted you in such a powerful way and continues to do so with countless other people. Um, question, do you, were you raised like as a like Catholic, like were you like, how were you brought up into the faith when you were growing up? Was it like, 
were you forced into things? Were you, yeah, how was your experience? Because I know like a lot of us, like I was forced, you know? <laughs> I'm a, I'm a immigrant from the Philippines and you know, the faith is culture. Like it's just part of my culture. It's not, I never really got the whole um, personal relationship with Jesus until like um, four years, no, I'd say, I don't even remember. Um, but like, I didn't really actually get it till about four years ago, I'd say. Um, so yeah. I think I had a similar experience in terms of like definitely growing way deeper in my faith than I'd ever been later in my life. Uh, but initially I was actually, um, baptized Lutheran. I was, uh, born and raised Lutheran. Um, and that was because my dad, uh, was a Lutheran pastor. Um, so my mom has always been Catholic. Um, and she and my dad met in college. My mom's from England. Um, and so, uh, my dad went to Georgetown for college. So even as a Lutheran, he was being taught by Jesuits and, uh, took a year abroad, uh, in England at the university of Sussex. And that's where my parents met and they eventually got married. And, uh, so, but yeah, so my dad was studying theology and then when he finished at Georgetown and then he went to Oxford after that and they lived in Oxford for a bit, that's a longer story. But, um, then he came, they came back to Chicago. My dad went to the Lutheran seminary in Chicago and he became a member of the Lutheran clergy. So, um, I have a younger sister named Hannah. So she's four years younger than me. And then, so when we were both born, we were... Uh, initially, we were uh, baptized Lutheran. Okay. So, when did that shift happen? Um, so, uh, I went to Catholic school uh, even when I was Lutheran, kindergarten, first grade, and then when second grade came around, uh, I remember my dad and I having a conversation uh, in the grocery store parking lot. Which grocery store? Uh, it was called Jewel. Okay. Jewel Osco. Um, okay. It's like the big one in Illinois. So uh, before we went in to the grocery store, uh, we were in the parking lot and my dad was talking to me and said, do you want to become Catholic so you can make your first communion with your second grade class? Um, and my response was yes. I, the, it was a more lengthy conversation than that, but that's the part that really stuck out to me and that I remember. And so um, soon after that, I actually went through the rite and became Catholic in the local bishop's office. Um, so Wait, why didn't you do it with the rest of your... Was it just you? Yeah, so it was just me. I mean, the rest of my class in Catholic school was baptized Catholic. Yeah, they were Catholic already. So, um, yeah, I mean, not baptized, but yeah. So, uh, became Catholic in the bishop's office. Right after that happened, I remember sitting in the lobby with my sister and my mom and uh, the other people were there for it. And my dad was still in the office with the bishop with the door closed. Um, and what I eventually found out um, was that the bishop and my dad had been having conversations about my dad converting to Catholicism and becoming uh, a married Catholic priest. 
Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, hence why I'm Catholic today. The reason that it was even possible was at the time, uh, then Pope John Paul II was allowing the exception of former Lutheran and Episcopalian clergy mm-hmm. to, to convert and become uh, Catholic priests, mm-hmm. um, just because. Uh, the denomination, the the rights are really similar between Lutherans and Episcopalians and Catholics. So that was the exception to the rule that uh, the Pope was allowing. So how did that, like you said, you eventually found out, like, when did you find out? Man, I don't remember. I don't even know if I was still in second grade by that point. Obviously their initial conversations was, um, my dad came to the bishop kind of because they had a relationship with just being like community leaders and stuff Mm -hmm. like that um and so but my dad had a genuine like pull on his heart like a calling on his heart to really um become catholic and he felt he genuinely felt called to the priesthood they've been having these discussions and i don't remember what the initial how the initial discussions went if my dad said, hey, can I become a priest? I don't think it was that straightforward. <laughs> My dad's a smarter man than that. It was a genuine thing that was being allowed in the church. And uh, so uh, eventually, my dad didn't become ordained uh, to the priesthood until I was in sixth grade. So it was a bit of a process still. Yeah. So uh, he had to send large binders uh, multiple binders of papers that kind of had letters of recommendation and letters from the bishop and other priests and other people saying my dad's a upstanding person and uh, like marriage certificate proving he and my mom were married and school records and things like that and send it off to Rome. Uh, the person who presented my dad's case to Pope John Paul II for approval was uh, then Cardinal Ratzinger. Um, no big deal. Yeah, no big deal. So um, just because that was the office he was in charge of, um, Cardinal Ratzinger oversaw that office. Um, word eventually came back. Well, my dad went to Catholic seminary for a little bit and took some classes there and then uh, became ordained a deacon, uh, not knowing 100% if the Vatican was going to approve him to become a priest. Oh, so while he was going through the process, it wasn't like, oh, you're for sure going to be a priest. It was still just like a regular person trying to be a priest. Like, we're still going to pray through it. And yeah. Wow. Yeah, 100%. So, yeah, and some people who who I've told this story to before, uh, or when it comes up in conversation <laughs> like it did here, they're always like, is he able to participate or do the sacraments or whatever stuff like that is he a half priest or how does that work type of thing so no he's a full he's a catholic priest with all his faculties that's what they're called so um yeah he can give any sacrament any other priest could so uh he's actually been a pastor um parish uh he's at a second parish now but he's been a pastor for 14 years so he's been a priest for 17 that's awesome yeah I, I remember when it first came up in conversation I had no idea um, yeah. you were saying something about your dad like he was just like he sounded like he knew a lot about the faith mm. and so I jokingly said oh is oh, he a yeah. deacon and then you're and you were like 
Yeah, as if because you thought I knew. Oh yeah. Right, like you thought I knew he was a priest, but yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. And you gave me a, a weird look, and I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and then you told me, I was like, no way. Yeah. So how did, like, as you were growing older, like, um, in this faith and just like in life, and how was that like? knowing that your dad was going to be a priest, you know, like, did your friends know? Um, how did they feel about it? Um, family members, I don't know. Was, was that, how did that affect you growing up? Uh, I mean, it's had probably one of the biggest effects on my life, just being in that atmosphere. Um, for me though, the unique thing is my dad, my entire life, except for the small, uh, part when my dad left the Lutheran church and then like went back to seminary and stuff like that. Other than that time, like my dad's been a member of the clergy my entire life in some capacity. So whether it was Lutheran or Catholic, but, um, yeah, my dad being the pastor of my friends or, uh, or the pastor of past girlfriends and they're like what do I call your dad do I call him father or Mr. Meadow or something oh cause like the Lutheran priests don't call we, we don't call him father or I don't know I don't know anything about the Lutheran faith no really it, even if you're not like the head pastor of a church you're still called pastor okay yeah or reverend reverend is still a thing but yeah father is fairly certain just a Catholic, Catholic thing or maybe even orthodox but yeah so I wasn't dating anyone in first grade or second grade, so that wasn't an issue back then. So some have, some have, yeah. Well, I'm not one of those. Okay. Yeah, it did. I didn't have the confidence to do that <laughs> until. Wow, when was my first girlfriend? <laughs> I think I was 14, and yeah, it was. Oh man, I was such an awkward, awkward kid. I don't think I don't think I grew out of like awkward phase till about like 21. <laughs> so that's a different podcast. Um, hey, it could be the same podcast. It could be, yeah. We can just don't s- give up. Yeah, I won't. I won't. But dude, that's awesome. Um, how did you take it when you found out? Like, wait, I don't really remember like the moment I found out my dad was going to be a priest. But um, I mean, it's had a profound experience on my life in terms of the fact that my dad being a priest has led to like so many graces and blessings mm-hmm. and just the the opportunity for me since my dad is a priest to just like be around church more than usual mm-hmm. um it's like bring your kid to work day <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly um Hey, it's a Sunday. What's going on? Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I've just had a really unique experience in terms of like as a family, kind of like almost being behind the scenes and just being able to have like really great relationships and see how see how the sausage is made. So, dude, you have such a unique outlook of the priesthood. Like, I mean, for me, I never really knew what priests were like until I did net. Really, mm-hmm. um, I didn't really have like a friendship with priests till net, because um, I I always saw them as like the holies of holy, and like they're for sure going to heaven, mm-hmm. you know. Like, um, but you get to see like him after work, basically, right? Work, quote unquote. Like yeah. when he clocks out, quote unquote, and yeah. um, 
man, I, now I'm just like running through scenarios in my head. Like I, I think I just, I should just like give him a call and get him on the podcast. Cause I'm just really <laughs> curious. I have so many questions. Like, do, do you guys ever go out to dinner as a family and he's like wearing his collar as has that ever happened or Oh yeah, I mean it's definitely happened, especially just with like his schedule being so crazy. Sometimes like we have to catch a meal and he's got his collar on still yeah. or something. But or some, I mean if if it's thought ahead enough, like we'll bring him a, a shirt to change. It yeah. depends where we're going, but yeah, I mean, um, do I you get any stares? Like, well, I always wonder like what people's assumption is if yeah. I'm like getting breakfast with my dad and he's he's got his blacks on and <laughs> I remember like we got we um we actually went to Chicago to see the relics of St. Marie Goretti. Oh, um nice. yeah, we went specifically cuz she was actually coming to our parish next and so we wanted mm-hmm. to kind of see how they were doing, but it was really beautiful. And so um St. John Cantius up in Chicago, uh, which is a pretty well-known parish up there. And so after that, we went to uh, get breakfast. And um, then afterwards, like, we're paying up at the front, but he he goes to use the washroom. And uh, (laughs) the woman at the cash register is like, how do you know him? And I wasn't about to have a conversation with her and, like, explain to her that he's my dad and how that works. So I don't even remember what I said. Maybe I said, like, he's my uncle or he's a family friend or something like that. Yeah. Oh, man. That's... Man. That's so crazy. Yeah, because, I mean, despite the reality, sometimes I don't have time to explain it to people or mm-hmm. I'm not trying to scandalize anyone and yeah. confuse them or something like that. So I, that's really the only time I've ever been in that position, but mm-hmm. I can only assume what people are thinking. So yeah. yeah, it's such a long story, especially if you want to do it justice. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. oh, he's my dad, and just walk away. Like, that'd be hilarious. <laughs> Well, now I'll tell them, uh, go check out Koji's podcast oh, okay. and you can hear the whole story. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll just give you a sticker or something. Oh, I need to make stickers. Uh, <laughs> yeah, dude, that's sweet. Yeah. Is he, am I allowed to ask his name? Like, what's his name? Yeah, his name is Father David Meadow. He is uh, currently the pastor of uh, Notre Dame Parish in Clarendon Hills, Illinois. Okay. Is that your home parish? No, uh, that's his newer parish. He's been there two years. Um, He finished his term up at St. Mary Immaculate because priests have term limits. Um, So he was was at our our home parish where I'm from before at St. Mary Immaculate in Plainfield. That's awesome. Dang. I think like for a lot of people too, or for men, like for husbands who like look for a spiritual direction, or like marriage advice, mm. right? I think what I would think is like, why would I get marriage advice from a priest who's not married? And then here comes your dad. <laughs> you know, like, I'm, I don't know if he does spiritual direction or if he like has, if he's like pastorally like caring for specific people, but I'd imagine that'd be like a really awesome gift for, for those people. like. He, he definitely does spiritual direction. He does spiritual direction for some priests too, but um, 
for him, even in his unique position, he is like 0% trying to be like a proponent of like, priests should be married. You know what I mean? Um, he, yeah, he's, he, he always is trying to speak like to the beauty of like the celibate priesthood and how important it is and stuff like that. And for him, like, it was just like the genuineness of him being called by God to be a Catholic priest. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I'm sure I'm, I think there's a, especially just coming from like a Catholic perspective, there's a generality that I think priests, whether they're married or not, can speak to on whether it be marriage or family life or things like that. I think mm-hmm. there's just basic truths that come along with that. Yeah. So That's true. Yeah, like I really want to know what it would be like from your mom's perspective, mm-hmm. knowing that her husband is a priest. Like, I mean, she, she was a, she was Catholic before she met your dad. Um, can you like speak on that a little bit and like how maybe like your mom might've shared some things or I don't know, from your perspective of your mom's experience with it? Uh, my mom, uh, she's a school teacher. Um, so right now she's a Catholic school teacher. Um, and, uh, yeah, for her, I mean, my dad will even speak to the fact that how sometimes my mom's kind of had to act like a single parent just because of how busy he is in terms of his schedule. Um, yeah, and just being away all the time and having to minister and spiritually care for other people and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I think for my mom, though, uh, even being even being a pastor's wife in the Lutheran church, um, there's kind of like, mm. there's, there's kind of like a position in that, like yeah. you, you're kind of held up in the community and type of stuff. And, um, so for her, I mean, when my dad became Catholic, like it definitely kind of gave her the opportunity, especially in a, a large community that we were in, like to kind of be a little bit more behind the scenes, but still like not everyone in a parish that size knew who we were. Um, but, uh, with the, with the dominant portion that did like, of course we're carrying ourselves around in public in a way that wouldn't be, uh, (laughs) disheartening or, uh, yeah. So it probably helped me be, uh, a more well-behaved young man. So, um, yeah, I'd probably, I, looking back in my life, I probably wouldn't have made <laughs> certain decisions <laughs> knowing that if my dad was a priest, yeah. like, yeah, I shouldn't be here right now. <laughs> um, can you, okay. One last question about your dad being a priest and then we can probably move on. Um, can you describe, uh, the ordination like what it was like when he was ordained and do you, how old were you when that happened? Um, I was in sixth grade. Um, so I maybe 11 or something like that. Um, yeah, it was him and I think three or four other guys were being ordained. Um, and I just remember it being a really powerful experience. Mm. 
And uh, it was a unique thing because there is more media there than usual just because of my dad's circumstance. And mm. um, that wasn't something he was like super keen on, but kind of just understood that it came with the territory and the bishop understood that too. So, um, but yeah, having kind of just like as a family almost like experienced this journey of like what my dad had come through and getting to that point and being able to be uh, a priest was just really powerful. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, it's just super, super, super unique. And usually the people who are sitting in the family section are siblings and parents and extended family and stuff like that. And so, yeah, yeah, it was, I mean, most ordinations, there's pomp and circumstance but it's really just a beautiful liturgy and like the laying on of hands of priests and the embrace and helping vest and stuff like that so um yeah it was really great that's awesome yeah i just want to say i mean i'm sure i mean he's been a priest for 14 14 years you said uh 17 plus three 17 years yeah um I can only imagine your guys' prayers for your for your dad. Like I can only imagine like knowing things that, you know, a normal family wouldn't know about a priest, right? Like um just I can just imagine the the weight of your guys' prayers for your dad. And I think that's just awesome and yeah, I'll keep you guys in my prayers cuz that's got to be a very special grace to not just be a father of a flock of all these people, but a father of, you know, be a husband mm. and be a father. Um, that's got a man. That's, that's a lot of grace and that's freely given. That's not a transaction. Mm. Like it's completely given by God mm. and and he wants to give it. It's not like, <laughs> and yes, of course there's thorns and it's, it's a cross, of course, yeah. right? In a way he has two crosses. Um, but that's, that is commendable, definitely. Venmo me, I'll even go with PayPal if you low key. I might be a white rapper, but I ain't from eight mile as you gonna see. I kind of want to talk to you. So moving on, even though that was such an awesome topic. So, okay, I want to talk to you about your music before you work for NET um, and before you even did, um, before you were manager or director of new media in your parish back home, you were a hip-hop artist. Is that a, is that a proper term to call you or rapper or what do you prefer? Yeah, uh, yeah, an artist, yeah. First question, top three favorite rappers, dead or alive? Oh wow, I wasn't ready for that question. Either either like a rapper or a rap group, because I know there's that's a thing too. Man, so for me, I don't think he's like the top three greatest rappers, but at least like impactful for me. Okay. Um, and like the artist I became uh, might sound corny, but one of them is Will Smith. Um, just because the music I made. Um, I started off doing like Christian rap and stuff like that. And then eventually pivoted and was just 
just a rapper who just made like positive music. I was never cursing or or talking about like violence or sexual things at any point. Um, Because your dad's a priest. Solid. And uh, (laughs) so, um, so yeah, but I mean like Will Smith was like a big rap artist and he was, yeah, he never was like cursing Mm -hmm. or anything like that. So him just like even having the opportunity to like make music like that, that was pretty impactful for me. Um, In terms of rappers, I think... Common uh, is a very, very good rapper. KRS-One. I don't know if you KRS-One. <laughs> Who else? Man. I mean, that was three. Yeah. So, but I, yeah, the list can definitely go on. I think yeah. Drake makes great music and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And Kanye. Mm-hmm. uh town yeah. um, Especially the older stuff. I love the old Kanye. Yeah, same. I think everyone else does. Yeah, I mean, for me, All Falls Down is hands down my favorite Kanye song. Everything about that song is just great. I wish it was like a club banger so I'd hear it more often. <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, it's not. It's like one of those conscious songs, which yeah. is needed. Yeah. It's really good. So when did you start doing music? For me, music in general started when I was in junior high and uh, was in band that I talked about. So uh, I did percussion fifth grade through eighth grade in junior high. And then when he went to high school, joined the band there. And it was just a great opportunity because we were like the only group in the school that got to do like extensive traveling like we did. So like we went to Florida, um, other places. And so, um, yeah, it was just a great group. uh, And I really loved like playing music and stuff like that. And the people I got to play music with. So um, was doing that. And that was extremely formative for like me doing music in the future um, in terms of being an artist. Even during high school, I was messing around with beat making software. Um, there was something called Hip Hop EJ. Uh, that was the name of software. It was just kind of like a click and drag type thing and you could mm-hmm. record vocals over and stuff like that. Um, so I was making just really weird, basic stuff on that. And then... Uh, Do you remember your first verse? No, I don't even remember what it was. Okay. But I did, like, put a compilation of, like, beats and, like, songs. It wasn't even, like, me rapping so much as it was just, like, saying things on beats I was making, okay. I think. So... Ad-lib. Sure. Yeah, throwing some ad-libs on there. <laughs> no, that, that wasn't... Skip! That wasn't out. Uh, that wasn't out yet. Um, that was not. It was more yos and check it. Um, so, yeah, there was some, definitely some uhs in there. In high school, though, I was uh, writing verses and stuff like that. And, yeah, at even some points, I was, like, rapping with people in high school and, like, during the study halls or whatever. And um, Pen tapping. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if yeah. people were pen tapping or... Um, I wish people were pen tapping. Beatboxing. Yeah, yeah, throwing some beatboxes on there. Yeah, it kind of just turned into like a really fun hobby for me to like be able to make music and rap a little bit. Yeah. So, wait, so why rap? What was the initial like, ooh, rap? Well, Not like... So the big thing for me really was like a w- Will Smith album. Okay. Um, it was Willennium. 
which okay. came out in 1999. And uh, my cousins in England, my family, we spent uh, Christmas in England that year. Nice. Um, 99, right before Millennium. Yep. My present was the Millennium CD. Listened to it on my uh, Discman like crazy. Was it the uh, joggable, like you can run with it and it won't skip kind of disc man or like just the regular? I wasn't doing a lot of jogging in high school, so I'm not sure what the capacity was at, but um, uh, it definitely skipped at some points. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I would just, I listened to that one CD like constantly. Okay. Yeah, just got to the point where I was like rapping along with every lyric on the song um and so for me like rap especially in terms of like being a percussionist and band like there was a thing about the rhythm and like syncopation and delivery of lyrics and the poetry to it that was just kind of like a cool uh genre to try it like try out or whatever and obviously it was like super prevalent in the culture and stuff like that Mm so um yeah what kind of like skyrocketed it like what made you say, all right, I'm going to do this instead of like, you know, just like dragging and dropping beats and saying us and, you know, like what was the shift? So I was the stuff I was writing in the later part of high school was pretty good. It was cool. Um, and then soon after I graduated high school, uh, I had met someone, I was doing soundboard for a wedding at, uh, my parish and during the wedding rehearsal, uh, got to connect with the people who were singing for the wedding and the bride, one of her coworkers had put like this, uh, black gospel group together to sing at this Catholic wedding, which was really awesome. And so, uh, it was five women singing and then a guy who was playing piano the soundboard was right next to the piano so we got to talking during the rehearsal and what came up in conversation was that he had a studio and I said oh that's cool I make music and he's like you'll have to come by sometime I connected with a buddy of mine uh who we were in band together in high school and he was in a big uh rock band um in the area and he was like if you're gonna go there you don't want to just rap for him live you should like have some stuff recorded that you can just play while you're in the studio so he came over and uh we found some beats and i rapped the verses i had written on them and eventually went uh over uh to the guy's studio and played it for it and he said you were way better than i thought you were gonna be and so eventually uh he produced my first album that i put out uh and it came out december 2008 so um what's it called uh it's called the positive returns I'm kind of cheating because we already had this conversation, but I'm just going to go straight into it. What does Ryan Leslie have to do with this whole situation? If you guys don't know who Ryan Leslie is, look him up. Yeah, definitely search him on YouTube, Ryan Leslie. After I put out the album, uh, really got into producing music myself and like was creating like a good amount of YouTube content and had a pretty sizable following on YouTube and... Um, was performing at local venues and in my college I had won the talent show and then I had a, my own band that would back me up and we won the battle of the bands at college and stuff like that um, which was 
It was especially cool because one of the groups competing had actually like come off of a tour that they were like opening for a, a big band for. And like me and my friends were doing like hip hop music and won the Battle of the Bands, which was really sweet. And then used that money from our winnings to go uh, perform at a Christian music festival in uh, Oshkosh, Wisconsin called Life Fest. So did music, uh, eventually got signed to an independent label uh, by the guy who produced my first album. Uh, my The musicality of my music, the quality of my music like had greatly improved in that time. Um, yeah, so if you go back to listen to my first album, don't expect to be like blown away or anything because for me it was just like a really cool opportunity. It was like a Training Wheels album yeah. experiencing what it's like to make an album and there's some good songs on there um, and people are still buying it. Uh, nice. Get checks every once in a while. What? Yeah. That's sweet. So, um, yeah, so eventually got signed to an independent label uh, and was an artist, a writer, and a producer on the label, and then was made the executive vice president in charge of studio operations. Yeah, it was an amazing opportunity, um, and I learned so much, not only about like the recording process and even like the technicality of how I should have things and have things panned or techniques of recording things, um, but just like how to run a business and how to organize things and how not to organize things and stuff like that. So eventually left the label and was doing more uh, stuff with like local people and putting out co-mixtapes with people. Ryan Leslie, for a long time, uh, he's a producer, a producer of uh, a number of big artists, um, but and he developed from kind of like being a producer into being an artist. But he was making amazing stuff on YouTube, amazing videos on YouTube where he would like kind of show like from beginning to end, like him making these like really awesome songs. Um, so a lot of times when I eventually left the label and it was like doing stuff on my own at my house, like a lot of times for inspiration, I would like watch a bunch of Ryan Leslie videos before I even started doing anything, just to kind of put myself in that yeah. headspace, that mode, so mm -hmm. that zone. So he was extremely influential on like the style and just like my approach to like singing and rapping and stuff like that. And so, so um, he eventually performed in Chicago. I had all my friends come out, and a bunch of us went. I even paid extra and. Went to the meet and greet beforehand, and um, and then he put on a phenomenal live show. It was a three-hour show, and so two hours for the main show, and then he put on a one-hour encore. Afterwards, the show's over, and like me and my friends, while people are filing out, me and my friends are still just kind of like standing in front of the stage, like reveling in just what happened. And um, while I'm there, someone taps me on the shoulder. <laughs> And they had recognized me from YouTube, and that was like... What's your rapper name? So my rapper name was Young PK, Y-U-N-G-P-K. So uh, this guy taps me on the shoulder, downtown Chicago. He says, are you Young PK from YouTube? I was like, yeah, I am. What's up? And so talked to him for a little bit. So just like being able to see like my favorite artist, and then mm -hmm. at the end of the night, someone recognized me. Uh, was just a... It was an amazing amazing experience eight months after that or so um ryan leslie came back to chicago and i actually 
me and my band got the opportunity to open up for him uh, at the Metro, which is a really big music venue in Chicago. It's like right across the street from Wrigley Field. How did you guys get that? Um, so it was through the promoter of the show. There was a there was a couple different openers. I was one of a couple. Um, but yeah, it was one of those things where you kind of submit your stuff and they'll approve you or not. And so, yeah, got the opportunity. And like I was in his fan club called the Renegades and stuff like that. So, but I had reached out to him the night before. I was like, I'm opening up for you tomorrow. You know, my cousin, he actually knew like a distant cousin of mine who lives in England. And so it was just like, tell him how excited I was to open up for him and the opportunity and stuff. Yeah, because actually his people also had to approve the openers. So I had performed, me and my band had opened up, and then it was an awesome night. Uh, just practice for it like crazy. I remember just like even specifically just like trying to get in shape for that show. And I remember me and my band had a, it was our last practice where we just went through the whole set. It was a half an hour set. And um, nice. yeah, I remember like jogging in place mm. during the whole practice, just like trying to get my endurance up in terms yeah. of like being able to reform. Um, and that's what Kanye did. He would like rap while he's on the treadmill. Oh, cool. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, especially if it's a larger stage and you want to be able to mm -hmm. be engaging with the audience, it definitely takes energy. And especially I've been in the, and it's not so much about like, not being in shape or not but like rapping on stage and it's just you and like your mouth is bone dry and you almost feel like you're gonna throw up and you have to like get through the song yeah um Jeez. yeah so uh so i performed open up and then some other openers were going and at that time, Ryan was having a, a meet and greet before he went on. And one of his guys was like at the door checking the people who were there for the meet and greet. And I told him like, hey, just opened up. I'm a part of his fan club. Is it cool if I go in? And he's like, he checked, he go, he went in their database. He's like, oh man, you are, you definitely are. Yeah, go ahead. So I walk into his dressing room and he, Ryan Leslie says, what's up PK? Which is just like really, really awesome. We talked for a little bit and then took a picture together, which is my profile picture on Facebook for a long time. And course, yeah. yeah, it was just a great night. And even like purposely like being backstage soon before he went on and like he was going to walk on stage and I was like, go show him why you're the best and like pound it and stuff like that. So yeah, it was amazing. And like hanging out with like his uh, drummer and guitarist for a bit after the show and stuff like that. So um yeah, being able to open for like the guy who's your biggest inspiration is something I would recommend for everybody. So that's awesome. Oh man, uh, I mean, I don't listen to him anymore, mm -hmm. just because like I don't know, time goes by, and he when an artist stops making music, you just kind of forget about them. Yeah. He also he changed how he was distributing his music. He wouldn't do it on like uh, iTunes or Spotify or anything like that. He was doing it like strictly off of his website. I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. See, I mean, yeah, Diamond Girl, um, Gibberish all that um and i do remember those videos on youtube and when they first came out i mean it was so long ago but yeah me and my friends were like yeah dude this dude this dude's sick he's like one of those like you listen to his songs mainly like when it's like gloomy outside mm. <laughs> you know but you still want to feel cool 
Um, but he does have Diamond, which is a little more upbeat. Yeah. I mean, that's the only. Those are the only songs that I remember right now. I'll play, I'll, uh, I'll play some of his new stuff later. But even I don't know if you remember Kanye's song "All of the Lights," and it has. I, I don't know if you. Yeah, I don't know if you've seen like the featured list on it, but it has like fifteen people featured on it. Um, and even though there's like main parts of people standing out, like especially the chorus is like super stacked where there's just a bunch of voices going on. So yeah. if you actually look at the list of all the people featured, Ryan Leslie is one of the people featured oh. on All of the Lights. And he's played keys on, uh, I don't know if he played keys on All of the Lights or another Kanye song, but. That, that song is like really iconic for me because it, I don't know, it just feels so epic Mm -hmm. like yeah the horns and the vocals on it and like once the beat drops yeah it's just yeah I think it's iconic because when me and my friends went to Vegas and (laughs) that's what we (laughs) bumped uh, when like things got crazy and I was like oh my gosh we're at a limo and like the lights were flashing yeah um yeah, dude, that's awesome. Okay, so so you opened for Ryan Leslie, which I would consider like pretty much like a pretty high point in your career. Um, and then you find yourself working for the church. Um, we don't have to go super deep into it, but like, can you speak a little bit about like, what was that like? Um, what was your decision in um, kind of leaving that behind? but I know you haven't fully left it behind you. I know it's still a passion of yours. It's still very much a big part of your life. Um, but what does that mean as, as an artist? Um, and just as like a, a human being who has a certain passion, but, um, isn't doing it full time. Cause I know for us in, in America, our view of success is find what you love mm. and do it full time. Mm-hmm. That's success. Right. And, and those people are really loud. Like they're really loud. As in like they really influence our young people, which is why so many kids now want to be YouTubers. And I'm not saying these are bad. I'm just saying this is the current situation that we have. Um, And I'm saying this because I was definitely one of those people who really pursued my dreams and really had that mentality of like, you know, you know, if I just keep acting, keep pursuing this dream, it's going to happen eventually. And Will Smith is actually the reason why I started acting. Wow. Yeah. So, um, when I first saw Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, oh, this hasn't been recording for a while. So it's, which is fine. Um, so when I first saw Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, I was hooked. Mm. Like it was my show. Mm. Um, and it like, it gave me so much joy and it gave me a freedom to be funny in a, in a cool way. Mm. Cause Will Smith was hilarious, but it wasn't in like a weird way, Yeah. but he had, yeah, he just had this thing that, that not everyone has, but yeah, it was great. And like Carlton Banks, like Jeffrey and all those characters are just awesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I pursued that dream and I'm also working for the church now and it's acting is still part of my life, but it's not the biggest part currently. Um, but for you, like, I just want to hear from your perspective, like, what was that like letting kind of like letting go of that love and transitioning into something like this? Well, I think, uh, I do believe, and I know it's something more, 
and I had the opportunity to be uh, exposed to it and just like especially being on the label and even like uh, engineering for like gospel artists and stuff like that and being in those environments like I a lot of times those denominations will talk about like the seasons in your life Mm -hmm. like like sometimes you have to move past or into something else and so um for me music because even when I did the Ryan Leslie show I wasn't on the label anymore eventually got to the point where I just wasn't putting the energy into music that I had previously been um and so it was in a number of variables but I got to the point where I had just come to the realization that it wasn't going to be my career. Um, and there's a number of people out there doing music very well. Um, and that they're not all making it or whatever like that. And so, uh, for me, um, cause I think I was even, I might've even been working at the church in some capacity when I did the Ryan Leslie show. So, uh, for me, it was like the opportunity of like evolving almost mm. um, and taking like the experiences I had uh, in like being a signed artist on a label into uh, like almost the administrative workings of how a parish works and how to market a parish effectively and stuff yeah. like that. So because even be even being on the parish initially it was me helping them rebuild their website and so uh eventually it was the website and social media media uh coordinator. it just adds on yeah, yeah all yeah. the hats just come out of nowhere yeah 100 and so um for music it was almost coming to the realization that it wasn't going to be my thing it wasn't gonna be like my permanent gig and um yeah because i had i had uh, been in a position where I was kind of experiencing different things. I was even at a point where I was accepted into physical therapy school and was going to study physical therapy and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, f- uh, coming to that realization definitely wasn't easy. Yeah. Um, and so, but I think for me, it was almost like of putting away childish things type thing. Um, it's in the Bible, right? Yeah, it's somewhere in there. And uh, Genesis, I think. No. And um, <laughs> um, Adam said it. Yeah, Adam did To Cain and Abel. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, put away your childish things and um, your toys. And uh, so just like, it's amazing to be here right now and just like look back on everything and see like a hundred percent where God was working to bring me to somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Um, and so like I didn't study marketing or, or I, I took advertising and marketing classes, but like I wasn't, um, taking like creative marketing or uh media classes in college and my I didn't have marketing major or anything like that but like everything I went through to eventually come to this point has equipped me to be in the position I'm in right now Mm -hmm. um and so yeah it's just been like a huge huge blessing and I think for some people it's hard to come to the truth that like some people aren't going to be 
actors or or singers or not every young white kid from the suburbs is going to be a rapper uh yeah so um yeah i think especially with just like the mentality of today's world where like or like every everyone's going to be an entrepreneur or something like that it's just not it's not feasible it's not possible like everyone can't be a uh a businessman like we need there's so many other things like we all have to figure out what that is for us and so um yeah to be able to like look back on it and realize that God's timing was perfect and it all worked out in the best way and for me yeah I mean there was a long time where I just didn't do music for a while um and like I was featuring on some people's stuff and I even got to perform at like some Catholic grade schools for like Catholic schools week they'd bring me in and me and my band would perform and that was really cool um and there's also there's a a priest who raps named Father Pontifex um and he and I have gotten really close and I've executive produced uh a major part of his last couple of albums and featured on a bunch of his songs um and so just like also just formed a bunch of different relationships in that community but um all with the understanding of like that's not going to be my main thing um and so like when i'm able to participate in it it's really really cool and it's really fun um but it's not where my energy's at uh it's not even like where my heart's at Mm -hmm. um and so uh yeah but i remember just like high type experience of just like writing a song recording it and putting it in such a way where it sounds amazing and then just like listening to it be like I made that mm-hmm. um and so but even to be, even to go past that and just like take those experiences and be able to even now like use it for God's kingdom in some type of way and hopefully bring like young people to Jesus and like a a minor decision I might make in the day. Um, And that was a really cool thing about working for the church as well. Like one post I make on Facebook might like have a lasting effect on someone's relationship with God. Um, So I think a lot of times people everything it's all about like what's the bigger things that are happening like what big impactful things can i see but at the same time neglecting that like along the way like little yeses can have lasting Mm. impacts on people's lives Mm. um yeah yeah it's not like you're saying no to a rap career but you're saying yes to a bigger thing that you wouldn't even thought about Mm -hmm. like you moving here was out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, from our last conversation, you mentioned that you, you're happily employed, right? Yeah. But this opportunity opened up and hey, <laughs> why not? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I also just want to speak on like, I know there's so many of us who, uh, yeah, there's a lot of people who are trying to be entrepreneurs, trying to be whatever. Um, and that's great to like follow your passions because 
our passions do drive a lot of our decisions and, you know, it gives us vision and it's, it's exciting. It gives us purpose in life. Right. Mm. Um, but there does come a point where it's a season. Mm. Um, and it is very hard to say no to that. Um, but I just, I don't know for people who are listening to this, who, who, who might feel like they're in like a crossroads almost. Um, and yeah, I just, I just want to encourage you to take a leap of faith. Cause for me, um, it was hard to give up acting. Mm. It was hard to give up acting. And what I realized now is what was harder wasn't really giving up acting, but just admitting to the fact that I wasn't going to be who I thought I was going to be. Um, and I had so much confidence and I was, I'm talented. I know that I have a lot of gifts, but I, and, but that's not all that it takes. Right. Um, and so I was really cocky. I was super cocky. I was telling people like, I'm being the next Filipino Will Smith, just acting. I'm not going to rap because I can't rap, but I really had that, um, that drive. Um, but then it didn't work out. Um, I got to a point where whatever I was doing actually wasn't making me happy. I mean, my story is different than yours. Like, it's not like I hit it big and was like, you know, what? actually, no, I never hit it big. Like I never, not saying you hit it big, but like I never hit a point where I was like, man, that felt great. It was actually never like that. It was just like, wow, this sucks. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't, this is not what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. And so I hated God for a bit because I was like, I thought this is what you wanted me to do. Um, and yeah, and that's a whole different podcast. But like it's um, once I said no to that and said yes to something else that I wasn't really sure of, then things started happening that things were revealed to me that um, I didn't think were made for me. Hmm. Like I didn't think I was made for uh, a stable life. You know, I didn't think I was made for a life where I can like travel the world and just experience my life with my family, with like my mom, dad, and my brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, but since saying yes to the Lord and doing like mission work and whatever, and still doing it, still living a uh, missionary lifestyle fast, like this is going to be my fifth year now. Mm-hmm. I've been given so many blessings that I didn't think I wanted, mm. like, I didn't think I wanted to, um, just kind of like live a simple lifestyle and just kind of like, you know, hang out in the Midwest and, yeah. <laughs> you know, so yeah. Cause we, it's so easy for us to get stuck in that like mindset. Um, granted I wasn't really like praying back then, but now yeah. different. So, um, but yeah, that's awesome. Uh, thanks for sharing that. Um, yeah. Um, I hope someone here listening is like trying to be a rapper and then hopefully they got inspired to open for maybe chance. I don't know. That'd be dope. That'd be sweet. Um, yeah, dude, why don't you, um, we should probably end this now. Um, cause we have a party to go to happy birthday, Michelle Volk. Um, shout out. Um, yeah. Anything, any like last thoughts you want to share? Any last thoughts? Um, I think people just need more patience in their life. 
we're trying to get to the next thing or we're trying to rush our careers or relationships we have mm-hmm. like speed things up when like I think really God calls us to like slow down. If we can like just be joyful in the moments we're living, like the genuine moments we're living, um, as opposed to like thinking about what could be or what what would what would be better than this. Yeah. Um, I think like beautiful things can happen. Um, real real graces can come from that, and just like if you put yourself in a opportunity where you can like change the mindset of, of how you approach a day or, um, how you approach relationships with people, um, friendships and otherwise, like, I think like real peace can come from that. And so, uh, in a world where like social media and everything is just like, let's go, go, go type thing. I would say let's, Let's slow, slow, slow. Mm. Let's uh, let's take the time to smell the roses, yeah. to uh, in, to really sit back a little bit and realize the blessings that are around us. Mm. Um, and I think good things will come from that.